Support for this podcast comes from Stella Artois. This summer, enjoy the life Artois. You can experience it anywhere, from your patio to the tidal basin. All it takes is being present, being there, with the people you love and a cold Stella Artois in hand. Wherever you are, you're never too far from the life Artois. Stella Artois. Please enjoy responsibly. This Age of Radio podcast is brought to you by The Bazaar. The Bazaar is the Age of Radio affiliate store, and right now, The Bazaar has a special offer on The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by the world's greatest professors. You'll always find something fascinating to learn about. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. If you go to ageofradio.org forward slash dark windows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a range of topics. I'm Kevin H. I'm Kevin C. And I'm a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool too. We want to start out by saying a special thank you to our sponsor, Studio Headphones. Studio offers some of the best quality sound and best built headphones on the market without the outrageous prices that other brands offer. They offer a variety of different styles, including over-the-ear, wired earbuds, and completely wireless Bluetooth buds. The two newest models are the Klar, which are over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones that offer 30 hours of playtime. Hold on. 30 hours continuous playtime without being recharged. And the Tolve, which are totally wireless Bluetooth earbuds, that offer seven hours of playtime in a case that holds four additional charges for the buds. So check out studio.com where you will find some of the best quality headphones and earbuds on the market. And if you enter Dark Windows 15 at checkout, they will take 15% off your entire order. What's going on, everybody? Hi. How do they do, interneters? I tired. <laughs> You're I not tired. the only Your one, name's man. also Kevin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you are not the only one, sir. Uh, but you are Kevin, too. I am also Kevin, yes. Um, yeah. I kind of forgot how we're going to fucking... Anyway. Yeah? Oh, well, boy. I can tell you this. Hey, huh? Seth, you got stuff to talk about. Oh, well, I wasn't going to go down <laughs> that road, but okay. Okay, well, where, where were you going to go? I was just going to say... Thanks to you guys. Moved in the house. Almost completely unpacked. And by almost completely, I mean not at all. I helped you unpack something today, though. I got a cool-ass action figure. Yeah, because I was like unloading yeah. shit, and it was one of the ones you said you wanted. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, fine, fuck it. However, one of the things I will not give up, I will buy for other people if I like them, or if they want to buy them for themselves, head on over to GameEnvy.net, home of the Hobby Holder, because the Hobby Holder is a great multi-versatile, amazing tool for painting miniatures. 
if you or anybody you know that likes to paint miniatures and they get to that point where their hands start shaking and they get really frustrated because they can't get that fine detail, that's where Hobby Holder comes in. It gives you all the ability in 360-degree rotation and a variety of different grip fashions so that way you can hold that holder and not touch that wet miniature. You don't wipe away all that great work you just did. And it also gives you that little bit of confidence that you need to get that fine detail. If that's not what you're looking for and you're looking for something else to hold your brushes while they're wet or dry, you need them to dry and you don't want them to get ruined, look at a brush bashing. If you're looking for something to clean your paint brushes or anything else, get a paint puck. Put all that fun stuff in your checkout cart. Put in the promo code BROADSTONE right where it says promo code and you will save yourself 10% off the entire order. I'll tell you. Boom. I saw some of those... uh paintings that the uh, hobby holder themselves did yeah dudes uh kit. damn yeah man uh that hobby holder makes a difference let me tell you yeah i'm, I'm happy i have it i because i have done dumb dumb hands and for me it allows me to be able to hold that and because i like to death grip whatever i'm painting mm. i don't won't break a miniature because if anybody's ever painted the old pewter metal kind of miniatures you put any amount of pressure on those yeah and then it instantly turns into hey, fuzzles so, yeah, it's it's a nice little tool to kind of get all your confidence and also get that great detail because if you touch your miniatures while it's wet, you're going to wipe away. If it's a soft miniature, you can break it. it it's a it's a good investment. Oh, sweet. But enough about that. Let's, Let's get into epi- episode two. Epitode. Yeah. Uh, epitode? Yeah, dude. I'm not clicking it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into episode two. Yes. So episode two of the Munich Olympics from 1972. Um, good old Munich. We last week we ended off with um, the hostages having been uh, being taken. Um, mm-hmm. One of them has actually already been killed at this point in time. Mm-hmm. One um, of them jumped out of a fucking window and ran like a motherfucker. Yeah, fucking Hulk punched out through the yeah. fucking window. He went. Um, one guy with a torn fucking what was it ACL MCL whatever it was. He was yeah he was the one that uh, that that got That's killed. That's what I'm saying, and uh, it's like a badass motherfucker who's like I'm on crutches, and most people are like, well, I'm just gonna lay here and wait for whatever happens. I'm not gonna right? th- sacrifice myself. Fuck and that, that guy's like, fuck you, I'm gonna still go at it. Fuck so, you. So we kind of basically ended off with um, that with that and the phone calls going out to all over, mostly Germany, trying yep. to get this. Shit show squared away. We do not want to touch this. Wait, that was right. We will not be doing this. And also people to see what the fuck is actually going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, well, you don't know. If you're back home, you wouldn't know this shit. Yeah. Exactly. Or um, maybe you do, and it's an easier way to find out. Because, you you know, information is being uh, put on lockdown where you are. Well, yeah, this isn't during the era of internet, mobile phones, yeah. or anything like that, where you can just go on your phone and be like, oh, shit, there's some, there's some stuff going on. It's media blackout yeah you, or even then you like need to wait for it to be in the paper or in the news or be reported and if it's not reported you won't know about it until it's too late i mean could you imagine so if, if this had happened nowadays with twitter you would have known like you would have had details within seconds of of this starting yeah you there's know? actually a movie that takes that into a reference of uh uh swordfish the one with uh john travolta in it yeah he actually talks about that like an event like dog day afternoon where people robbing a bank in the age of technology, you would know about this happening within seconds because everybody has a phone, everybody has a mobile device, everybody has some form of communication on them that they can communicate in the outside world. And during the Munich incident, like with Dog Day, you won't know about it unless it gets released. And if there's no information being released, 
us little hobunk idiots over here in the U.S. won't know about it until it's too late. Right. Yeah. We'd be hearing about it next week in the news. Yeah, and then you'd be terrified because the people that are there can't go out and talk about it until the situation's resolved because they don't want a widespread panic. And Germany's going to be on lockdown because already we talked about they're going to be fucked. And they'll be like, we're already building ourselves back up to being not what we were during the 40s. Right. So we don't want to come off looking even worse. Yeah. Well, I mean... Sorry, I went on a tangent there. That's okay, though, because at the end of this whole situation, I'm not going to say they looked as bad as they did during the 1936 Olympics, but they looked pretty fucking bad with the way this whole situation was handled. Yeah. Um, But let's jump back into it. Okay. uh, Get a little recap going. Munich police chief Manfred Schreiber would say, quote, some people say the police mistakes caused the death of the hostages, but it was the other way around. The hostages died because the terrorists made no mistakes. Mm. Which is a true statement. These guys went in there hot and heavy. They had everything planned. They really didn't fuck up. They 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 had everything planned out the way it needed to be done. But they let two people basically, well, not so much let them go. They didn't. They didn't do anything to. Uh, yeah, them. but that, I, but that's really not a mistake. That's a that's true. incidental kind of shit. You know, true. A mistake true. would be you know. Being the first guy through the door, getting kicked in the dick and getting your rifle stolen and having your entire squad get wiped out by some guy in his underwear and socks. That would be a mistake. Or kicking in the wrong door of the wrong people, yeah. not realizing like, oh, wait, this isn't the room we thought it was. Oh, shit, we're in trouble now. The first signs of willingness to communicate for, uh, between Black September and any kind of uh, negotiations, negotiators, would be a two-page pre-written script that was dropped, from, uh, that was dropped out of the... Uh, second floor balcony by one of the masked gunmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the script had the names of 236 prisoners that they wanted released. <laughs> hey, the I got a phone book. Release all these people in this phone book, yeah. please. You are going to release all of them, and then we're going to release these people. Yeah. That's not going to happen, motherfuckers. We've seen this movie. <laughs> This isn't the United. This isn't the United States. You know, this isn't Harrison Ford. You know, I don't negotiate with terrorists. Get off my, Get off my fucking my plane. plane. This was Germany, like kind of their softest point in history, where they're like, eh, "Yeah, I think we can do. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll work on it." You know. Okay, guys, can you can you possibly let them out? Can, can, we, can we just sides like fuck you? No. Can we settle down? I just we need to put two of you in timeout so you can think about what you've done, and then we can ha- handle the rest of the situation. So, two hundred thirty-four of of the names were being held in Israeli prisons. Among those listed were. Kazo Okamoto, who was a, a Japanese terrorist that had attacked passengers at Lod Airport. Two others specifically named were Ulrich Meinhof and Anders Bader, uh, they, uh, the founding members of the Red Army faction who were being held in West German prisons. Ulrich Meinhof, huh? Yeah, Meinhof. Not going to lie, when I heard the Red Faction, it instantly went to the video game. Right? I was like, that's oh, a good video game series. Good. Until Gorilla, that one sucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. The terrorists set the deadline for the release for 9 a.m., which would actually be about three hours from the time that the letter hit police's, the police hands. Nothing like giving them like a short leash, be like, hey, guess what? Yeah. Three hours, make it happen, Cap'n. Yeah. Yeah. But no, make it happen. If not, shit happens. It's like, that's kind of a, I mean, I understand giving somebody a deadline, but to go, we have three hours to go through three different countries in two different time zones and negotiate the release of 236 people. Yeah. How the fuck do you manage this? Uh, two different countries? You have communications between 
three different countries. You have communications between West Germany, East Germany, and Israel. Hmm. Well, they, West Germany and East Germany were two different countries. But why would you have uh, have it? Because it wasn't in East Germany. It was, but one of these people was being held in a West German prison. Uh, yeah, that's how they get you. Exactly. Aha. Okay. So at 8:45, Schreiber and Walter Troger. Uh, Troger was the mayor of the Olympic Village, which I didn't realize that that's a fucking title. Well, it kind of would make sense because you need somebody to oversee everything, and since the Olympic Village is its own little entity, now it is, and Fair that's enough. why they would have their own law enforcement or whatever. Probably one of the reasons why the German government didn't want to be a part of it because they're like they're already doing their own thing anyway. Schreiber and Troger um, would make their way down to uh, like a good uh, pair, Schreiber and Troger. The, the German running shoes. <laughs> I'm like, I need all the listeners to say that ten times fast. Well, Schreiber, Schroger. <laughs> Schreiber and Schroger would make their way to uh, to the building on Connolly Strauss. Uh, with them was Ahmed El Daramadesh, uh, who was uh, say in, that ten times fast. Yeah, I don't want to say it one time fucking fast. He was the Egyptian delegate to the International Olympic Committee. Uh, he was absolutely like a hundred percent reluctant. At all to be any part of the situation, but since he was one of the only Arabic speakers there, they're kind of like, "We need you to help us so that <laughs> you can speak to this guy Isa, who we don't, we need to communicate with, and we don't know if he speaks German." <laughs> all right, all right, I'll speak to him. But what they for they didn't realize at this point in time is Isa is completely fluent in German. Like, he could speak to them in their own language, but since they didn't fucking try, they just went, uh, brown guys, uh, get us a brown guy. We need somebody that speaks brown guy. Motherfucker, Perfect. I'm just tan. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> fucking South Florida. I'm from fucking Egypt. That's like North, yeah, yeah, it's but, North Africa. I'm not that. You know? It would have been interesting if they actually started speaking, like, so he's there in German. <laughs> they're like trying to translate it back. Dude, this like, turned like into- wait, wait, hold on. How about we just use German? They're like. Oh fuck! This would have turned into some Monty Python like. Actually, there is a celebrity <laughs> chef that does that. Uh, Morimoto, when anybody would talk to him, like say Alton Brown or whatever, when he was on Iron Chef, he would be speak so much broken English and mainly stay in Japanese. Anybody else, he'd be fluent and like no big deal. Have a little bit of the the Japanese twang, but behind it, and he's like, I remember Alton Brown was talking about. He's like, Are you serious right now? He goes. And he won't speak. He won't speak English to him. Well, he will only speak Japanese around him. It's like just uh, to fuck with him because he thinks it's funny. A guy that all three of us were probably fairly big fans of back in the '90s, Tajiri. When he was in WWE, he spoke like broken English, like you know. He, but he did that on purpose because he was such a private person that he didn't want to hang out with anybody else. And then when he left, he's just like, "Have a good day, guys." You know, I'm uh, I'm off to wherever. I'm going back to Japan, and they're like, "He was fucking cool. And he spoke English the whole time. What the fuck?" <laughs> But anyway, so after their initial conversations um, with Issa, where where their translator kind of came back to them and go, went, he fucking speaks German. And they're just like, OK, see you later. And they sent him back to his back to his hotel. Oh, by the way. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you this part because, you know, yeah, because he told me not to tell you. <laughs> do you validate parking or do I just get a cab back? So during the opening conversations in Arabic, the translator made the request that the impossible deadline be moved. Um, Issa now understood that, you know, maybe this deadline that we set for three fucking hours, probably not a great idea. Let's we're going to extend it back to noon. 
You have until noon. That's it. And then also bring us a pizza. Yeah, yeah. We want pizza. He gave ground. First mistake. That that was this. That's probably. It's called a compromise. A compromise. (laughs) That kind of thing is probably the only mistake that these guys really made. Was not sticking like very firmly to, you know. So Schreiber, for a split second, thought of rushing Issa and taking him captive to use him as a negotiation piece. Because when Iso came out, he came out with the translator because they sent the fucking translator into the building to talk to them. Instead of picking up a phone like they do in the fucking movies, calling this fucking room and going, hey, we got a guy here that needs to talk to you. Hand him the receiver. Listen, they, you know, this is the early days. No, this is this is way too Tom Clancy for that. We need to send him in directly. This is the early days of hostage negotiation. So Could have been used as a sign of trust. Right. And, I mean, Issa walked him back outside. And Schreiber was like, had that, like, kind of wild hair. He's like, I bet I can take this guy. And we can hold on to him. And then we can kind of fiddle fuck around from there. But, spoiler alert, he didn't do that. Hmm. He realized quickly, though, that the men would never have negotiated for his release. Because they were uh, they were loyal to the idea of what they were doing and not to each other necessarily. These guys would have sold cause versus right. These guys would, they would have sold each other out if they had to, to accomplish the mission. Well, yeah, because that's why they didn't know each other ahead of time. Exactly. That's why they were all pen pals. You don't, you don't get to build that, uh, camaraderie, that that human connection to go, Oh shit. Well, I don't, I like this guy. I don't want to, I don't want to sell him out. He's, you know, he's a good guy, but you have to put a bullet in one of the guy's heads. Well, guess what? You're going to exactly. And that's honestly, that's how groups like this work. It doesn't matter what ideology you follow. If you are that loyal to what you are trying to accomplish, fuck everybody that you're with. If they have to die for the, the goal to be completed, they have to die for the goal to be completed. Sucks, but whatever. He then offered Issa and his men an unlimited sum of cash. Issa responded by spitting on the ground, showing that he was insulted by the money, the uh, money offer. He probably went back in. Do you believe these motherfuckers? They just offered me money. Fucking money. money. Everybody's like, wait, what? Wait, uh, you need. I don't need $20. They offered you a limited amount of money and you you just. All right. Whatever, man. (laughs) But that kind of that kind of goes to show the mindset. Fuck money. We're here to get a job done. You know, so it's it's hard. I think it would be hard to negotiate with people like that. Mm. True. So as negotiations continued, the authorities, uh, the authorities, local and federal, started to realize how really like ill prepared they were for a situation anywhere close to this. They had no professional negotiators and they didn't have any idea where to where to start off trying to handle anything. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, guys. You guys like Olympics. I like Olympics. We're halfway there. Yeah. I love falafel. We should t- fucking talk about this. So reports say that they didn't even have blueprints for the building. The police and the mayor and all this stuff, they couldn't get blueprints for the building that they were held up in. Um, I'm fairly confident that the... I think the mayor should be able to get blueprints to right. the building since, you know, he's the fucking mayor. And I'm fairly confident that our bad guys here had blueprints to this building for how well they knew the building for never even being in it. They must have. 
Well, or they had been inside of it. Exactly. Times. Because they were there, Fair you enough. know, undercover. And, you know, you get some mapping. You take them. You draw yourself a little basic map of, like, where these doors are, where the entrances are. Because, I mean, you know, maybe the um, it was such an old building that blueprints didn't – or there was blueprints, but they could have been destroyed. Fair. You know? Fair. So, I mean – it's just you're in one of those catch situations where you don't really know. It's a catch thirty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, catch two twenty <laughs> something. <laughs> I just went along with it. I was uh, like, yeah, sure. Catch two twenty two. <laughs> catch two twenty six. It's a good seg. Good pistol. No, it's not. What? Anywho. <laughs> so, at this point in time, the most mind-boggling thing to me personally is the fact that the Germans had no, like showed absolutely no interest at all in any outside help, especially from Israel. We want to handle this in-house. You know, they could have called Israel and said, we got a fucking problem. We need you to send people here to expedite Uh the resolution of said problem. You you might want to come help and, you know, keep your people safe. Right. But they, they had absolutely no interest at all in any of that. The Israelis had skilled, professional, and more importantly, highly experienced people who could have, A, negotiated with the hostage takers, and B, if need be, they got guys that are going to be, that are good at fucking kicking doors and putting bullets in bad guys. Germans wanted nothing to do with that because they were trying to be progressive about it and go, well, no, no, we're not going to show any kind of violence or anything like that, even though... There's certain points in time where violence is literally the only answer, and I think this this was one of them. But maybe also to show that, hey, we can solve our own problem. We don't need you. You know, we fucked up once. Uh, we're going to try to solve this internally now because, you know, we saw what happened before where we turned a blind eye because, you know, we let a ruler, dictator, kind of like do whatever the you, fuck you, he wanted. You mispronounced piece of shit, by the way. <laughs> yeah, asshole, um, piece of shit, whatever. But as as we go further into the story, you're going to prove yourself wrong with that point you just made. I was thinking it was all a conspiracy. As we keep going, you're going to go, oh, no, no, they fucked up. And uh, so Troger spoke at length with Issa and found out the situation that the terrorists were uh, found out the situation the terrorists were in. Either way, we're dead. Either we'll be killed here. Or we'll go out and give up without having hostages. We'll be killed wherever we go. So he's got a good point. Yeah, there's no exit strategy out of this <laughs> yeah. one. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. And this this was another part of the situation that no one was prepared for was this attitude of kind of like, well, we're fucked one way or the other, so you have to play ball. We don't. And that's that's something that another thing where they're just like, oh, fuck uh, you know, what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. So the ideal plan for the Germans would be to have the Israelis release the prisoners and to have the hostages released uh, for them, and they would all be loaded onto a plane. It's obviously separate planes. You have your hostages on one, your prisoners Could on the other. you imagine that they just had them sit? Okay, hostages, <laughs> right side. Uh, prisoners, left side. Do not communicate. We will be serving peanuts, pretzels, and ginger ale. Good enough. All right, commence. Have a good day. 
So the, again, the, their main goal would have been to have the Israelis release the the Palestinians, the Palestinians to release the Israelis, put them both on planes, fly them to a neutral area, exchange. In that way, we fly them out of Germany, and once they cross out of Germany, not our problem anymore. Whatever happens, happens. Should blow fuck- that fucker up. No, wait. <laughs> well. Well, because the, at this point in time, they're just I'm like... I'm talking about the hostages, not the hot one with the hostages, but the one with the prisoners. No. But basically, they just wanted to get this whole fucking situation done and dusted. And as soon as that happens, we can go back to our Olympics. We can forget that this whole fucking thing happened. Go down to the Winchester, have a pint, and wait for the whole thing to blow over. Thank you. So... Do you know dogs can't look up? Who told you that? I <laughs> uh, and pie. You have red on you. I'm a fucking redhead. I always have red on me. <laughs> Golda Meir, the Isra- uh, and the Israeli government had had the experience and understanding of how the minds of the terrorists worked, and they knew that if they gave into the demands of the Palestinians, it would only encourage future attacks. So it's that whole, if you give a mouse a cookie, you know, if you give the Palestinians their prisoners, they're going to want a glass of milk kind of thing. It was like, if you give them an inch, they take a mile. Exactly. But how would... I like my give a mouse a cookie thing. (laughs) Fuck you. That was good. (laughs) How would she have that mindset when she just moved to Israel from the U.S. where... Because she was the prime minister during the six-day war, and she had kind of seen how shit like that had escalated. Where you give in a little bit, and then they go, "Okay, that's fine," but yeah, all right, all you right. know. So, needless to say, the Israelis refused to even consider negotiating at all with with the Palestinian terrorist hostage takers. Uh-huh. The Israelis' only uh, only demand was that the Olympic Games be suspended until the situation could be handled. That's a fair enough, you know, a fair enough demand. I would think, you know, to go, we need to put this shit on hold because we have people's lives at stake. Yeah, but... Fuck your shot put. We have people that are going to die if we don't take care of this. At the same time, you're kind of pissing off, like, millions and millions of people that are like, yeah, we don't give a fuck about them. We want to see, you know, our Olympics. But would real people really think about that? Or would they go, oh, fuck, this is big. This is bad. All right, I'm not real people, okay? No, you're a fucking void. We've discussed this before. (laughs) You have no feelings. You have no emotions. You're... You're a void. Yeah. The Germans and the Olympic Committee, on the other hand, decided that this demand was not going to be met. We're going to keep going. Because you have a timeline, probably. you know. Right. So while nine Israeli athletes were being held at gunpoint, the volleyball finals were being played between Japan and West Germany. That's, you know, because volleyball. Yeah. Nope. Not worth it. So eventually Israel applied enough pressure that the Olympic Committee agreed and they put the games on hold long enough to hold a, a memorial for the two athletes that had been killed. So you're thinking, you know, not very, very long at all. Yeah, probably a moment of silence in 10 minutes. Yeah. In Israel, an emergency cabinet meeting was being held where it was agreed on that the Israeli ambassador to West Germany, and I'm going to apologize in advance, Eliashiv ben Horen would explain Israel's position to the German authorities in Berlin. Israel would uh, Israel would not bargain with the terrorists and only accept the out and the only acceptable outcome was the release of the remaining hostages and the arrest of the terrorists. So, 
or basically what they said was really was to kill the fuck out of them and get our people back. I, I think at that point in time, either make them dead or send them to us so that we can personally make, make them, them dead. dead yeah. Either way would work, I think, for the Israelis at this would point in time. Would you like them dead or would you like them dead? Either way. The Israelis made the decision that if the hostages were released, they would consider releasing the Black September prisoners. And the uh, and the Israelis made it clear that it was expected that the Germans would do anything in their power to make sure that the Olympic uh, the Olympic athletes were released safely. Do you fucking think that he actually were going to release the, them at all? I don't fucking no way. I I think they would have. I think they would have put forward negotiations to go. We want our nine people back. We'll give you 20 names off this list. It's like buying a fucking car. They would have haggled with each other. Or this could go into, we can cut this, but I think it might go into uh, what you were talking about with uh, the... Conspiracy? Yeah. Because, hmm? I mean, was there really? You know, we just made the number up. What? You know, honestly, I think that they were all dead and they were just making, like, or they kept one alive or whatever it is, so that way they could be that person to talk, separated oh, the, them, kill the other ones, and then there you go. You think the hostages were dead already? Gotta have somebody tell a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that told the story got away. Well, there's two that got away. Well, the problem with that is that we're gonna, we'll run into in a little bit. But there was one that survived the whole thing, right? These, no. These... The only one that survived was the one that jumped out the window and ran. So Ben Hurin arrived at the Olympic Village at 11 p.m., one hour before the, de- the noon deadline. Diplomatic Channel stayed open through the entire situation, even though Ben Hurin was pretty cold and, you know, he was cold when he delivered the... Is he, he's Mossad, right? No, I'm sorry. He was the, uh, the uh, Israeli um, ambassador to West Germany. Okay, he was an ambassador. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's got some, some Paul. But he, but at this time, I don't know if they had started already doing military because you, in Israel you have to serve X amount of years in the military as a as an eighteen year old you have to stay, uh, yeah. serve a guaranteed two years. Is it two or is it four? Two, two. Okay. Well, I, yeah, like I said, but I don't know if the, it was at this time already or if it was later than this. But if it was, you know, well, he probably wouldn't have served anyway because he probably was too old. Yeah, probably not. Um, so as I said, he he got there and he kind of delivered the terms to the the Western the Germans to say, this is how shit's going to be handled from now on. This is how it needs to be done. Uh-huh. So there was some more uh, more in depth behind the scenes talks going on between Germany, uh, the German Chancellor uh, Willy Brandt and uh, Golda Meir. Uh, Meyer was not afraid to point a finger at Germany and say, basically tell them. Because your security for this event was dog shit, I have people that are dead, and I have people's lives that are on the line. Which I honestly, I think that's a fair argument. Yeah, it's a valid make, point. You know, valid. very valid. Mayer also insisted more than once that the Germans allowed the, an Israeli tactical team to assist in the rescue operation. Uh, the German chancellor thanked her, but politely declined the offer. Probably the biggest mistake that was made in this whole thing right here still having uh uh that whole you know we can do it attitude yep instead of taking help when it's offered from a group that is more experienced in situations like this 
to go, now nah, we, we're going to handle this diplomatically. We're going to handle this without anybody getting hurt. We're just going to use our words pretty much when honestly, we don't want any more loss of life. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, at this point in time, you're getting to, if this had happened here, you would have had a fucking SWAT team there 25 minutes ago waiting. But like I said, though, <laughs> no. it still goes back to the heart parkins back to the fact that they wanted to handle it themselves yep. just to show the world that hey we're big boys now big boys and girls you know we learned from our mistake we're moving on and you know, we want to be able to handle this ourselves so she she kept insisting that we have team you know again we have people that know what they're doing they have done this before they have handled situations like this with the loss of life being minimal to the bad guys essentially yeah um and the germans were just kind of like nope not having any of it you know you're you stay there we got it like you keep saying we're gonna handle it ourselves mm-hmm. so don't think that because the germans refused help that it meant that they you know they figured anything out because they still had no idea how to how to handle the situation that's getting more and more delicate as it as it passes the water's getting slowly over their head yeah so germany had a very very convoluted rule on the books at the time i'm not 100 percent sure if it's still in effect or not because i honestly didn't look in to see if it's still a law but i'm assuming it's probably not since it's they're no longer two separate countries um but you couldn't um so basically we're deploying any federal armed forces into a state without invitation from said state was strictly prohibited uh-huh. so that would be kind of like if um like with national guard if we had guys traveling from vermont into new york to go do like joint training or something new york would have to have given vermont all of this written shit to say yes your people are okay to come in here actually no 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 that would be that would be more like uh Huh. That's a that's a weird one to try to figure out, but mm-hmm. it's it's a tricky fucking. At that point, it's almost like you become federalized, sort of. Yeah. So, because each state was sovereign, meant that the crisis could only be handled by the authorities in said state. In this case, it's Bavaria. So it's almost like a sheriff, uh, sheriff versus you know, like basically the sheriff can only go in a certain county. Right. You know, sheriff versus constable. Versus, yeah, or or state trooper. Mm-hmm. This would be like the FBI coming in and the state troopers going, "No, no, no, fuck off, we got this." Which honestly, probably would probably get solved better if that was the case. But so this meant that the amount of help that uh, that could be offered from the federal side was dependent on the willingness of the local government, and again, in this case, the Bavarians. It would be dependent on them allowing it. So the Bavarians, just like the federal government, refused any help at all so let's recap real quick the israelis offered to help the germans mm-hmm. germans tell israelis basically pound sand we got this fuck off this is our shit we handle the german federal government offers to help the bavarians the ba- uh, bavarian government goes eh, we got it so i think at this point in time it's probably safe to take a uh, a real quick little break Prepare uh, to do some math. Yeah, yeah. Make sure all that works. (laughs) And we will be right back.
The Dark Windows Podcast is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by some of the world's greatest professors. You'll always have something fascinating to learn about on there. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. The courses I'm personally looking forward to the most are the 36-part series on the Vikings and a 24-part series called The Agency, A History of the CIA. If you go over to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a variety of topics. Now, let's get back to the show. So back at 31 Connolly Strauss, officials jockeyed for position of control uh, over the situation, and uh, stuff started getting more and more tense as the hostage takers were starting to get tired and anxious because they'd been awake and on the move since pretty early that morning, like around like 3.30-ish. Well, yeah, just over time, and naturally your stress and your tension is going to grow anyway over over a while. Issa was growing more irritated and eventually uh, agreed to extend the deadline again out to 5 p.m., Hmm. So, again, give him a mo- an inch. And I'll take him another mile. So the reason that he agreed to extending the deadline is because they were oh, shit. Right. they were telling him about, like, you know, all the fucking red tape and shit, like the bureaucratic well, yeah. bullshit they have to go through to get any of this stuff going. It's not, yeah, exactly. It's not one of those moments where you're like, hold on a second, let me make a phone call. Hey, you know those people on the list? Yeah, release them. Yeah, I'm going to call Okay, I'm hold call on one the- second, let me push this button. Boink. Done. Yeah, I'm going to call the warden directly, you know. I'm going to call the world warden. Yeah. World warden 2? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. World warden 3 is coming out next year. Yeah. Not looking forward to that one. It's probably going to suck. I don't know. I've heard good reviews. (laughs) As the minutes fell off the clock, the Germans had simply bought enough time for the sake of buying time. Uh, No prisoners had been scheduled for transfer or exchange or anything like that. They still didn't have a fucking clue what they're doing at this point in time. Did they have a central phone set up? Well, what? A central phone where all the phone calls can come in and out. You, pretty much a circuit board or whatever. No. A phone board. You watch too much West Wing, dude. <laughs> Sorry. How many corners this fucking hallway got? God, you get a fucking half a thing of twisted tea in this kid. He just gets all punchy. Right? Also, uh, also kind of, you know, doesn't help that I'm really tired. So so at 4.35, with less than a half an hour left before the deadline was reached again, a, notice, uh, a noticeably more agitated Issa changed the demands. This was a relief to Schreiber, Troger, and uh, Merrick because it That's bought... That's a hell of a law firm. Yeah, it sounds like a fucking big pharma company. Hmm. <laughs> but... It, the, this was good news to them because it bought them more time. Yeah. Son of a Will you stop son. touching shit, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, they didn't realize what his demands were going to be. Isa uh. and his fellow Palestinians demanded that they and the hostages be flown directly to Egypt, where they would meet with the Palestinian prisoners that the Israelis were going to release and they'd make the exchange for the host- the hostages for the prisoners in Egypt. So instead of going to a neutral country, we're going to an Arab-friendly country. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about getting any bullets coming their way. Right. So we're coming off the fucking plane, and there's going to be, like, groupies and shit. And we don't have to worry about somebody fucking killing us. So the, the Germans absolutely 
loved this idea because it took everything out of their hands and you know it was basically got them off it. our territory yeah exactly. get them off our territory because yeah. the whole Somebody time they didn't can wa- handle this shit well now. yeah the whole time they didn't want to have to deal with this so that, to get them out of their country get someone else to handle it, it's like oh they're as soon as they get in that plane fucking wipe yep. our hands clean of as it. soon as they're out of german airspace we're done yes and we can get back yeah. to the fucking olympics so uh Jensher, uh who we spoke about last uh episode however was uh he was he insisted that he inspect the conditions of the hostages before any new arrangements were made. He wanted to make sure that the people that were still alive were in good health. They weren't fucked over like real badly, like they potentially could have been. Um, or they're not dead. You exactly. Know, and they're just kind of just trying to weasel their way out. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it was. So for all the shortcomings and the laziness on the side of the Germans, this was actually a fairly fairly ballsy move for a negotiator to go i'm coming in there i'm going to check these guys out that's not something that happens normally during a hostage situation no you could be taken hostage. exactly exactly yeah and also they want to keep as much distance to not add any stress to the situation right potentially like if you go in there with a gun and be like hey guess what john rambo style shoot everybody in the head and walk away so he and troger were allowed into the apartment and the two men were shocked to see the shocked to see the state of the nine men who all had their uh, hands and feet bound. They were beaten, bloody, and bruised. Uh, when their eyes fell across uh, Yosef Romano, this is where shit kind of changed because they went, oh, fuck, that's a dead guy. And he's been dead for quite some time. He was our our guy last week that had the... Uh, the he was on the crutches. Yeah, the torn and, MCL. Yeah, that was and, like, I ain't going down without a fight. Yeah. God, the, imagine the smell. And he's been in there for he's been in there for long enough that the blood is starting to con- to congeal on the floor in the kitchen. <laughs> so is he? So he's out of rigor. He's been there for the better part of twelve hours at this point in time. He's been there a while. Hmm. The negotiate uh, the negotiators left, having determined the remaining hostages had no serious or life threatening injuries. So they're like, okay, they're they're fine. Uh-huh. As this was going on. There were some efforts being talked about in the back about a potential tactical rescue. One idea, and this is fucking insane, was to disguise two policemen as chefs to storm the apartment while delivering food. I can see it now. You got two chefs pushing one of those big metal fucking like wheelie (laughs) carts, you know, they got like a cheese platter or something on it. And then, hello. And then a whole fucking SWAT team jumps out from underneath. <laughs> you know? Surprise, motherfuckers! Yeah, one's got to be Bruce Willis, the, the, sh- one... the chefs. Yeah, the you know because they're undercover cops, right? Seems like a Bruce Willis thing. He would always do that because you know he was a comedic actor that went into action. And the other one, Mel Gibson, Steven Seagal. Nope, because he did play a chef. Nope, it's got to be Chris Tucker because he could bring the comedy into it. He also can do action scenes. And I like the guy, and I want him to do more shit. Now, why not just send real chefs in? Like, you send Gordon Ramsay in there. He'd just fucking berate him until they'd just start crying and give up. Or, I have well, two pieces of bread right here. <laughs> that was a fucking shitty accent. I don't give a fuck. Or you could send, also send in, uh, what the fuck was his name? Um, the guy that was actually in the military. Uh, the other British Robert guy. Robert Irvine. Yes, Robert Irvine. <laughs> Get a grip, you fucking donut! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. This is our cast. Robert Irvine and Guy Fieri. <laughs> 
Robert Irvine playing entire SWAT team. <laughs> yeah, even though his military career is up in question because there's some controversy there. Oh, anyway, moving on. All right. So another plan uh, which people watched play out on live TV, on international TV at that, showed 12 local policemen, no special training, just local fucking beat cops. Jerry, Larry, <laughs> Curly. Gustav. Uh, and some of these guys weren't, like, overly skilled with firearms because apparently it's different in Europe where a lot of police forces don't even... No. They have a, Yeah, they got a fucking stick. Yeah. Yeah. Well... It used to be like they hit you here for a long time. Well, I know. I got one of those beaten sticks from the 40s. Well, here's an idea crackers. for us. Run into a fucking room with nine pissed off dudes with AK-47s with a fucking truncheon and see how many bullets it stops. You're you not, walk in you're like, not a fucking... Hey! <laughs> oh, wrong, wrong room. I was going to the guys that were drinking. Yeah! <laughs> uh, dos Vidania. Unless you're fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi and you're like deflecting shit with that, you're fucking done. You know? So <laughs> Just throw it and run away. Avita Zang, motherfucker! Run away! So they watch these, again, just regular police deploy onto the roof of the apartment block. Um, and they were ordered to burst in through the air ducts and windows. So, again, we're going to fucking John McClane this shit with people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Go ahead, Rambo. Get your fucking rope. They said, come. get your, yeah, take your stupid fucking rope. They said, sure, <laughs> come to LA, yeah. have a good time. Have some laughs. Have some laughs. So when the Palestinians saw the police deploy on the fucking TV in the apartment they were in, they were ordered, They the police were ordered back because... We see you. Because they got a hold of, of one of the negotiators and said, um, if you don't get these police off the roof, we're going to start executing people at 6 p.m. It could be one of those things where they poke their head out the window... You dumb motherfuckers, we see you. You're on the TV. Yo, we got a TV. <laughs> Idiots. When Genscher and Troger had discovered during their visit what they thought was an accurate number of Palestinians involved, the Germans thought that they were four men, maybe five. Uh, they completely missed the fact that there was actually eight. Hmm. That's so a you could definite uh, fuck up. Imagine going, you know, going back to your tactical assault team and going, okay, we got five hostiles, six uh, hostages. Go in and take care of them. They go in, fucking smoke these five bad dudes, and then from out of the shadows, the three, these th other three guys can come in and, you yeah, know. Uh, probably, <clears throat> sorry. The other, the other three guys are probably somewhere else, maybe? Yeah, they were out patrolling, like, the rest of the, the kind of, like, around the outside of the... The common uh, area? Yeah, exactly. Like, out through the rest of the building. Mm. You know? And it's... That could have been a really bad fucking... That could have been a okay corral moment where a lot of people die. The Germans decided to handle the situation on the ground at the airport instead of risking a, an assault on the apartment. A frontal assault. Yeah. <laughs> that rabbit's dynamite. So their game plan was to take these guys out before they get a chance to board the plane. Understandable. That's usually what people want to do, because as soon as they get on that plane, they're gone. Yep. Good luck trying to find them then. They could probably snipe them or okay. something. Okay, you know? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. If this part ends up getting cut, I don't care. This whole situation where they're like, 
We're going to wait for them to get on the airplane, or at least to the tarmac, and we're going to fuck these guys up. This is directly... Like, there was a fucking mission in Rogue Spear that was directly exactly what was about to happen here. Huh. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I That was one of my favorites. Yeah, the... I was put the because you had your uh, your sniper was a German dude. Put him up on the hill and fucking pick him off through the fucking windows because you had that little Walther W two thousand, the little uh, bullpup yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, get them Hans. He sent fucking Ding Chavez in through the door. He's just fucking MP five and blowing motherfuckers away. I love that game. I'm sorry. I read the book. Uh, Rogue Spear was one of, was, was my favorite that, computer game I've ever that played. That was a good game. They need to remaster that shit because I would Especially buy it. The, uh, it makes. Oh, what is it? The uh, fucking the, the Natural the, History Museum in New York was a really good one. No, well, the airplane mission it makes that look even better than uh, the one from um, uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, not Call of Duty, but uh, whatever that game is that we play, Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six. Yep. Yes. Well, because Rainbow, the Rainbow Six one that we were playing there isn't a real mission. It's just a run and gun type of sh- bullshit. Well, I mean, I don't think the Rogue Spear one was a real mission either. I don't think. Maybe it was. Yeah, it was. It was uh, part of a storyline. Yeah. That's what Rainbow Six needs is a story. Anyway. So, Continue. So, like I said before, the Germans were... <laughs> Continue. So, like I said before, the Germans were cool with letting these guys get onto the airplane, fly to wherever the fuck they wanted to fly to, and let wherever the fuck handle the situation themselves instead of us. Because wherever the fuck is better than here, the fuck. Exactly. But they decided that if they went that route, after refusing help from Israel, it would be like sending the hostages just straight to their deaths. Because... Of course. You take you fly them into an Arab-friendly country, they don't need these people anymore. They can just fucking kill them and get it over with. Mm-hmm. The decision was made that the terrorists and hostages would be moved to... Motherfucker. <laughs> no, no, we don't need to cut there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Frustenfeldbruck Military Air Base, which was northwest of Munich. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we didn't need to cut there. That was, that was Frustenfeldenbruck. Solid. Mother of Jesus. Huh. I bet there's a fucking sausage factory somewhere around there, too. Could be. So, at the airfield, there would be two police teams waiting at ambush points to try to take out the Palestinians when they got there. And again, fucking costumes. The first team would be dressed as flight attendants aboard the the Lufthansa Boeing 727, where they would ambush Tony and Issa as they boarded the plane. Because the Germans assumed that Tony and Issa, being the lead characters in this whole thing, would want to go on and... Um, be the first in to investigate, make sure the plane was clear exactly. and there was nothing wrong about it, so to speak. So the police dressed as flight attendants would take out Tony and Issa as the second team, made up of five f- fucking air quotes here, sharpshooters, would take out the remaining terrorists on the tarmac and uh, set the hostages free. Realistically, all they did was just wear really nice clothes, look sharp dressed man. Right? <laughs> a tactile neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh... No, no, there's a difference. This is a much darker black. (laughs) I ordered nine in black and nine in a much darker black. So back at the Olympic Village, the question still remained, how would the terrorists and hostages be transported to said airfield so that they can take these guys out? So Issa and Tony came to an agreement with the negotiators 
that they would be taking a bus. Holy shit. Yeah. Operation Swordfish. <laughs> no, dude, the movie, that's what happened. They were in a bank, and the hostages were shipped to a, on a bus. They were going to an airport. They got the idea from Dog Day Afternoon, which there was no bus and hostages, but still it was... It, never mind. It's a typical. It's a stereotypical thing that this may actually have been the reason for it, but a lot of times if there's hostages and they need to go from point A to point B, mm-hmm. they use a bus, something that a mass transit, a lot of people can go on to. It's relatively sturdy. It also takes up a lot of space and a lot of room, and yep. when you're going, you can get you know a police... Uh, Please escort there. It's that uh, art imitating life kind of thing. But you're also not going to want to. I mean, it's a smart move on their part because you you can put your people in with the hostages. So they're not going to try to shoot at you. Exactly. And also have strategic positioning, too, yeah. because you put the hostages closest to the window. You can shoot out the window. They're not going to shoot in. So, yeah, exactly. So the negotiators told them that uh, we can't get you a bus. Because the streets are choked with people and vehicles, and we just we just can't get you a bus. It's not going to work. We can get you work. a sweet Vespa, huh? What we can do is we can get you a helicopter. Oh. Matter of fact, we can get you two helicopters. Get to the chopper, boy. Yeah. Mm. Now, completely exhausted and beginning to lose trust in the negotiators, Issa caved and was like, yes, we'll take the helicopters. We wanted the bus. We'll take the helicopters instead. It's fine. When he was told that the helicopters would be arriving soon, he inspected the route to uh, to where the helicopters would be landing and decided that it was still too dangerous for his people and demanded a bus to take them from the apartment to the landing zone. Because there was a lot of, you, know, you got you, you got a lot of high rooftops and open space, makes it really easy to get fucking picked off. Well, yeah. As soon as you walk out of the enclosed area where you're safe, right. you are a target exactly. instantly. So I want the bus to take us from point A to point B, and the helicopters from point B to point C. So shortly after 10 p.m., so we're coming up on almost 24 hours at this point in time that this has been going on. The first bound and blindfolded hostages appeared at the door, and the masked gunman followed them. When they arrived at the helicopters, Tony took four of the hostages and boarded the first helo with three other Palestinians, Issa took the five remaining hostages and the remainder of the Palestinians with him in the second helicopter. The press kept their distance, but the men moving around the helicopters were illuminated by thousands of camera flashes. So they got a bunch of shots of these guys. You still can't see any of their faces because they are wearing uh, like ski masks. Um, So not balaclavas. No, like the the ribbed like ski mask kind of thing. There's actually... You can actually see pictures of yeah, them leaning over the railing and if you just do a Google search on the this. Fucking, the pictures are eerie as fuck because it's it's just creepy to look at. It's just like it, there's something unsettling about it, kind of. Um, huh. I'll post up a bunch of pictures yeah. to go with it. After the helos uh, with the terrorists and hostages took off. So after the helos with the hair, the. <laughs> Harrorists. <laughs> the fucking Harrorists. Yeah. Or the Harrorists. They're, you know, they're radicalized hairstylists. God. We won't stop until we can get green shit instead of this blue crap to put our, our scissors in. God damn it. You need the good tinfoil, not that shitty tinfoil. Listen, I said I wanted to have my 
My tip's frosted, asshole. If you don't get Paul Mitchell on the phone right now, I'm going to blow this fucking building up. <laughs> Motherfucker, I want my tips frosted, not my tits. <laughs> and I also, I need good scissors. These oh. suck. These are the opposite of sharp. So after the helos with the terrorists and hostages took off, another helicopter landed and picked up the senior federal and Bavarian officials along with members of the Israeli intelligence department. The helo flew directly to the airfield. The helicopter with our Germans and Israelis in it flew directly to the airfield. Well, the first two flew in a like a kind of a wider route to make sure that that first that first helicopter that took off with the Germans and Israelis could land, get them off the helicopter and take the fuck off before the other two got there. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense cuz it was like how are they going to do that cuz if they're all going wide and this one goes sharp, you kind of have to be careful because we're like, why are they going that way and we're still going this way? Yeah. So it, it had to be done very nonchalantly. This was probably the best fucking, like the most tactically sound anything the Germans have done up to this point. Goddamn strategic. <laughs> you know? So just as planned, when Tony and Issa's helicopters touched down, the two rushed directly for the 747. And since nothing had gone according to plan thus far in our story, we're not going to change that. <laughs> Why should it now? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, the stewardess, are, let me guess, the stewardess aren't, the one, I'm sorry, the disguised Maybe. stewardess are not on the plane yet because they weren't given enough fucking time. Just a guess. The security team that was supposed to be on the plane waiting to ambush Issa and Tony had taken off just minutes before the helicopter landed, thinking the operation had been so quick and quickly and sloppily put together that the terrorists would see right through it and just flat out kill them. Uh huh. So our first fucking police team that is on this helicopter just went, mm, I don't want to die today. I'm going the fuck home and just split and took off. Wow. So, yeah. And by the way, you didn't read any of my fucking notes for this beforehand. No. So. I don't know really anything about this. We're kind of just sticking into the natural theme of things. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. So I'm, I just kind of guessed, you know, because you said, well, first fuck up or second fuck up or whatever. So remember how I said earlier, like, you're going to start to disagree with the point you made earlier where the Germans were like, no, 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 we can handle this. We can handle this. <laughs> this is where we're starting to go, where they go. We fucked this whole thing up, didn't we? Eh, Whatever. Well, at the point they they're saying we can handle this, we can yeah. handle this. But at, like then you said, the water's starting to get real fucking high, yeah. and we don't they're, know how to swim yet. They're on their tippy toes, you know, trying to keep uh, their head above water. Pretty soon they're going to be taking a fucking straw. And- yeah. So, how this operation was so poorly constructed that the police operators involved were allowed to just leave is fucking shocking. But really, is it, though? <laughs> Your I safety's mean, in danger, and you don't feel it's safe, and then why are you going to do it? And also, if they didn't have the training like you know they do now? Okay, maybe, there maybe, are maybe for me, the reason it's so shocking is because this is the first time we've had a situation like this on the show since um, North Hollywood, where you had these cops that were out there just like, no, Fuck these guys. I can't I know I can't kill them, but I'm gonna put a lot of fucking rounds down range. And these cops are just like nah. It's it's also the difference of people. Exactly. Like in the difference of time. Difference yep. in training. Like it sucks, but there are some people's flight is stronger than their fight. 
but what I mean, <clears throat> what I mean by that is, is not, you know, not the, so much the fact of you know putting your life on the line versus not. It's that, you know, they they're, I don't know, it's the whole situation how it's being held, being dealt with, you know, kind of like you. It's not real. It's like, eh, okay, kind of can you know be, it, see it coming. You know, the writing's on the fucking wall. It's been a shit show since the jump, basically. <laughs> so as to- as Issa and Tony entered the cold, quiet, and empty airplane and suspected a trap immediately, they retreated back to the helicopters. Oh wow! The again finger quotes sharpshooters, and I use that term very very fucking loosely didn't know that there had been any changes made to the mission in the plane. As far as they knew, that first police team was still in the fucking plane. So you are a sharpshooter. You have, I'm assuming you have a high point of view where you can see you have, you know, high ground and you were not paying attention enough to realize that the other two police officers that are supposed to be in this plane fucking left. That may not also be entirely their fault, though. That could have also been the fault of communication by everybody else. Exactly. Because there should have been one person that was in control of this whole situation of this team relaying information to everybody. We also don't know what kind of communication tools they had. Right. But you would think if you're trying to set up this kind of operation where you have two teams operating independently kind of from each other, Mm. that you would want them to stay in communication with each other to say... You would think that... A lot of things should have been handled this way, but what this is is just a common occurrence of lax training and knowing one to take ownership of what to do. In this situation here is why a lot of that shit is the way it is now. Yeah. It's because this they... This is an incident that a lot of things changed up until more recent events. And it's one of those things where, unfortunately, you have to learn from your mistakes. And, and as my dad would say, this is kind of where... Thought got, that's where thought got you, you know, to the point of where we are. Like, well, we yeah. thought that, yeah. you know, well. And to see those other two that left, I guarantee they didn't just walk past everybody. They probably snuck their ass around the corner or whatever, waited, and then disappeared. True. Well, I yeah. doubt they were going to walk in front of everybody like, peace, we out of here, motherfuckers. But you would think that somebody either on that sharpshooter team or operationally would have seen them come. Because, I mean, you're on a fucking airplane. You have one option out. It's It's... The Unless they didn't get to there in time. Yeah. Unless they got there after. Think about yeah, it. That's true. You know. For instance, we'll just say, you know, visually, you have a plane on a table, or your phone on a table. Right. That's your plane. And there's one set of, you know, stairs going up into this small plane. Mm-hmm. You have sharpshooters at different angles, whether it be a two-man squad. Like, so there's two men on one, one to the left, two men to the right. And then you have your hangar or open. They may have never even went there. They may have just said, you know what? They got to a certain point and said, fuck this. We're going around the other way. And those two have no communication with anybody. So they're just going to assume when that plane pulled up, they already got onto it. That's fair. And it yep. sucks as much as it fucking sucks. And, it, you know, no one knew. But the lack of communication between everybody was a, the common occurrence here. And the lack of ownership through this out this entire event. That's that's fair to say. I, I and, okay. and if they're dressed in, you know, stewardess or flight attendant crew or whatever it is, like get up, they're not going to pay attention to them because if it's not part of their team, they're not going to know what's going on. Or they saw flight attendants actually getting on the plane. Yeah. You know, they're just going to assume, oh, that must have been Hans and Franz. Yeah. They're at such a long distance, you know. Well, what's what one person versus another look like? Yeah. That's fair enough. 
And much so, it sucks though. So the reason that I keep using the, the term sharpshooter very loosely and throwing finger quotes around. Oh, it, because I had rubber bands and tacks. Uh-huh. <laughs> These Dude, I've guys done that one time. Oh my god, that, that poor oh never mind. That's a story for another day. None of these guys were trained snipers, and very few of them had any experience at all with a firearm. So it's basically like, have you ever seen a rifle? Yep. Get your ass out there, buddy. Because we're, we're basically, most, if I'm not mistaken, I could be, but weren't most of the weapons after World War II uh, you know, taken in, basically saying, hey, you know, you can't have these? Because the military was... was um, they just done away it. with, yeah, you know. But you would you would think that you would be able to have access. I mean, regular civilians would were still allowed to own like hunting rifles and stuff. And what is a sniper rifle other than at this point in time the same fucking thing? Do they have scopes on them though? I I would guess. So scopes of the time probably weren't as strong as the scopes of now. But the they fact probably that, still had them at a severe distance, thinking, oh, don't worry, that rifle can go. For instance, say like two hundred fifty yards, we'll have you at two hundred fifty yards back. But but the fact that none of these guys had had really any experience at all with a firearm, but yeah, they yeah, had yeah, a bullshit. little, and they're just like, "Yep, go ahead." I'd be like us being their sniper squad. We would be better at it. Not me, man. I can't <laughs> fucking hit anything with a rifle. Kevin, I'm a shotgun guy. I'm an up close and personal, kick down a door and then go in. Kevin and I would be better at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a breach team member, not a fucking long distance shooter. So they'd also been told. The, the, the sharpshooter team had also been told to expect five targets, and yet, as they're sitting there on this hill watching, eight. they see eight bad guys on the tarmac. Yeah. So, you know. Again, so again, lack of communication exactly. and understanding of what the fuck is their protocol is. So at 10.40 p.m., the commander of the police forces at the airfield ordered two of the marksmen to open fire. Only one of the Palestinians was hit, and the other took cover underneath the helicopter and started returning fire with a, with long bursts from the AK-47 in the general direction of where the sniper fire had come from. Yeah, get them undercover so that way they can get on the helicopter exactly. and just go, fucking take off! Exactly, and you got one dude suppressing an entire marksman team because he's just fucking just Where have spraying. we heard a fucking situation like that where it's oh, one dude with an AK and... Weird, right? You know, it's, holding it, back an entire yeah team. Yeah. Quotes here. There's some quotes, sorry. And, no, I must be original. <laughs> so Tony had actually been hit in the foot during the exchange uh, and dropped to the tarmac while Issa ran a serpentine in the direction of the control tower. And as he's running, he's firing very short controlled bursts. Again, he's... Probably three, four shot bursts, three, four shot bursts. This guy is better trained with a rifle than the police that were trying to stop him. Well, they went to a terrorist camp. Exactly. These people had training. They probably had shooting. They probably, you know, had medical training. They probably had arts and crafts time where they made boondoggles. They definitely had a trampoline for breaks. No, and they probably got one of those blob things where you jump on it, but instead of going into water, they went into the sand pile because... (sighs) That's all they had. Dude, I miss macrame IED practice. That was fucking sweet. I'm just saying, dude. They had a terrorist overnight camp. Probably a summer camp, which, you know, was all. You know, I thought that uh, uh, Atari, I believe it was back in the day, had a really sweet setup for their their campus. But god damn. (laughs) I was wondering where you're going with that. I was like, Atari, the 2600, you know, the video game system, 2800? Yeah, they had they had a, I think it was Atari. They used to have like a 
their campus, you know, they call it, had like a tennis court, basketball court, all these different things. So you could, so when you wanted to uh, take a break, you could actually go out and do all this different stuff. So for a few moments, fire erupted from the area of the helicopters. Um, the lights that were illuminating the area of the tarmac were shot out by the terrorist, which made it impossible for the snipers to distinguish between good guys and bad guys. Okay, the knock on that was kind of smart. That's a very smart move on their part. Again, they kept fucking firing, didn't they? Those those assholes. Again, these the, the when doubt spray and pray. The terrorists are again outclassing the fucking police. We've seen this before on the show. Well, and I have to do put this out there. A lot of times that does happen because these people probably did their homework, had an understanding of what was going to happen, and also had the training and working together as a team, had communication, whatever. A lot of times the law enforcement are coming into a lot of this stuff blind. Yeah, they know about this place. They know some of it, but they didn't do all the homework like the terrorists know about right. everything. They, terrorism, most of the time, they take whatever situation or whatever place they're at they will turn it into a home court advantage. But Situation devil's awareness. advocate on that point, none of these guys, none of these Palestinians had ever worked together on anything up until this mission. But they all probably but went to that, the same it's camp. It's that level but, of training. And again, they, but that's what I'm saying is you go to this camp, you have an understanding. So for instance, if you go to this camp and you're training, you know, this year, I went last year, Kevin H went goes next year. When we come together, we all have the same exact right. training and understanding of what to do, how to pay attention, things to aim for. Where a lot of these police officers, they went once, they went through the training to become an officer or whatever, and then they were done. Yep. It, they it may have some other stuff, but it's not as, you know, proficient. Yeah. And you, and you said, you know, as you just answered your own question for the movie Predator, the new one, the you know, where you said, "Hey," or whatever they had only been together. The guys only been together for like, you know, a little bit. Well, gee, they're trained military, you know, right? <clears throat> people. They know what the fuck to do. So, in all the ensuing chaos, with your tarmac lights being shot out, your police snipers again firing at these bad guys. Bad guys returning fire. In all, in the midst of all that chaos, a German police officer was shot in the head by a stray round. So it's wow, that fucking sucks. It's unclear if it was um, a Palestinian that shot friendly him or fire. if it was friendly fire. Of course, there's no, there's no proof real, of everything. Exactly, there's no. <laughs> Probably for them. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that was a bullet. So twenty minutes of tense silence followed after the short little shootout, which led the uh, police to believe that the terrorists were saving their ammo. At this point in time, the Israeli secret servicemen tried to take command and uh, and take the fight to the Palestinians, but no German officer would follow them into the fight. So you have this dude that's like, fuck this. I'm going to go take care of this myself. I need help. We're not going. It's, you know, it's a common theme. Yep. I, when in doubt, it's not my problem. The, I did what I could do, and that's the way it's going to be. The only assistance the Germans would offer was to get them an armored vehicle, but they had no ETA on when it would be at the airfield. We'll get there sooner or later. Don't worry about it. We got to go to a gun store and hopefully try to get the owner to let us in. Well, again, (laughs) since we're going to keep talking about North Hollywood, they didn't bother to tell the Israelis that the fucking armored vehicle that they were sending them was stuck in traffic. Common theme... So as the uh, as the Germans sat on their hands, being indecisive, 
A line of headlights cut through the, the darkness onto the tarmac. When the Palestinians saw the armored vehicles approaching, they realized the tides had turned, and they began their endgame strategy. One of the terrorists removed a Russian, one of those uh, F1 fragmentation grenades, mm-hmm. from a, uh, a pocket, pulled the pin, and tossed it onto the floor of one of the helicopters. When the grenade exploded, it ignited the fuel tank and tore into the hostages. The four hostages killed in this helicopter were Zayev Fredman, Eliza Halfin, David Berger, and Yakov Springer. Moments later, the Palestinian that had taken cover under the other helicopter climbed out from underneath it, looked into the helicopter, changed magazines, shouldered his weapon, and emptied it into the inside of the helicopter, killing Yosef Gutfraun, Kehat Shore, Mark hmm. Salvin, Amitzer Shapira, and Andre Spitzer. Shit. Yeah. So, not a happy story, not going to have a happy ending. Um, you know, hey, that's what's... They set out, to, you know, that's what they're going to do if the, the shit went south. Yep. And they stuck to their fucking plans right to the end. Yep. After all the Israeli execute, After all the Israeli athletes have been executed in cold blood, I feel like now would be the time to mention all the athletes had their hands and feet bound... Yeah, with uh, heavy hemp ropes, they were tied together at the waist, and when they were put into the helicopters, they were tied into their seats. So there was no way for them to get out of there. No, they not had, even a fucking chance. No, they had no way to defend themselves at all. I, I gotta say, you know, it sounds like you know might be callous of me, but it's pretty fucking smart on their part. It's smart on their part, but it's it's fucking it's it's brutal, but. Know, it's... It, it, it's insane. It's you know, it's fucking barbaric. But same time, you know, same situation. If you, if you were put in that, it's fucking just. It's kind of ingenious, a little bit, you know, to they, say, hey, okay, we want to make sure that these fuckers don't get away, right? So this is what we're gonna do, and shit's going to go not our way. Well, if it's shit's gonna go our way, we can cut the fucking ropes and we're gonna get them on the plane. If it's not, well, guess what? Now let me let me ask you a question here. If you were one of these athletes and you had seen two of your countrymen, your friends, executed in front of you, you've had the shit kicked out of you for the last 20 hours, what are the chances that you're going to fucking even consider trying to run at this point in time? Well, you're absolutely none. You're exhausted. So, I mean, but, they, but, but also in the defense of this, the, the uh, Palestinians, they are still looking at it the fact of these people are athletes. You know, athletes have another another get up and go pace right. where, yeah, they've been not doing anything, but they can still perform. Right. They're wrestlers or whatever. You know, they could take us out. Not but- only that, dude, we've seen reports where a mother is terrified of her kid who's underneath the car and she figures out how to that tap into that last little primal brain and do some insane shit and i'm not gonna lie i would still find ways how to escape man i've done some fucking crazy shit and it's like i don't want to fucking die i'm not gonna accept my fucking fate when it happens but to put yourself in the shoes of the palestinians and to think about it doesn't matter that they're athletes these are enemy combatants yeah and these were these were innocent people that went to Germany to compete 
in the Olympics and represent their country. And there, and and the opposite side is the fact that the opposite coin is, you know, that's the, that's the outlook from the the Israeli side. The Palestinian side is these motherfuckers are the ones that took our land from us, pushed us the fuck out, while we, you know, we were there. We've been pushed out before. We came here into that land. We settled it. And then we were just told, hey, guess what? Move out. You know, so it's a lot of, um, you know, like I keep saying, it's a lot of a lot of fuckery going on between both sides. And, you know, it's a lot of hate still to this yes. day. It, 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 it's a hateful thing to do, to yeah. even do anything like this at all. I mean, it, it's still, like I said, still barbaric, still an asshole move, you know. So let's let's get back to it. The uh, the remaining Palestinians split up and ran in different directions, firing short, controlled bursts as they went. As they ran, Issa took her, uh, was taken out with a single gunshot. So one of these fucking cops actually had a good shot. Issa's toast. Okay. Yeah, anybody can get a lucky shot off. Yeah, every blind squirrel can find a fucking nut. Adan and Jamal al-Jishi and Mohammed Safadi escaped into an open field along the runway. The, uh, the German police gave chase in armored vehicles and on foot with dogs. The chase lasted over an hour before the men finally uh, were finally ran to ground. Three of the remaining men were lying on the tarmac, faking being dead, and they were quickly arrested. They just rub some fake blood on them or some shit on them and be like, oh, look, we're down too. Not thinking like, hey, they're going to check for pulse to make sure to see who's survivors. Yeah, and they're, you know, even if we're shot but not dead, they're still going to fucking handcuff us. So Tony escaped the initial gunfight, but he was tracked down by police dogs around 40 minutes later. The police cornered him in a parking lot of the airbase where they fired uh, tear gas canisters at him. Um, It's most likely, from what I was looking into for like the time period, it's most likely it was probably CS gas, um, and the effects of CS gas are uh, watering eyes, uncontrollably running noses, vomiting, and in some cases, uh, and in some cases of direct skin t- contact, the feel of a severe sunburn. If you if you want to know what it's like, just Google search or YouTube search. It probably will find it. Uh, military training, uh, like basic training stuff for when. A soldier goes into a, a gas house and they actually get gas. Yeah, so they, you got just shit running out of every yeah, hole in your when head. You come, when you come out, like I saw my brother, he got gassed. And he was coming out and they're just saying, you know, just keep breathing, keep, you know, moving your, yeah. doing everything. And I was like, holy shit. Can we backtrack for a quick second? Yeah. Tony got shot in the foot. Yes. And he ran for about 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, about 40 minutes later, they found him. Jesus. Imagine that. He'd be so pissed. You motherfuckers going to play dead and I'm going to run with a fucked up foot? Yeah. Fuck you. I mean, the will to, to live is again, pretty fucking strong, you know? That's what I'm saying. I mean, shit, look at... Well, again, let's go back to fucking uh, North Hollywood where uh, uh, Larry Phillips basically got his fucking thumb shot off and was like, no, nah, fuck it. I'll just fire with one hand instead. Yeah. But he was all jacked up on barbiturates anyway. These guys Androids. were fucking straight, you know? After the gas canisters had taken effect, a short gunfight took place where Tony was killed. Mm. At 1.30 a.m. on September 6, 1972, the ordeal came to an end. Almost the entire Israeli team had been killed in cold blood. 
All of the Palestinian terrorists had been killed or captured, including the leader of the group, Issa and Tony, who were both killed. So this is where part two is going to end. Um, the next part of the story, we're going to pick up, not next week, because we have a special next week, but the week after we're going to pick up with uh, with part three of this. And uh, I feel like if I've used the term Tom Clancy shit a lot this episode. But it makes sense because the next one is even Tom Clancy-est, I guess would be the way to put it. Ask. Ask. No, yeah. Tom Clancy-est. It does not get any more Tom Clancy than this. But then it would um, still be esque. Yeah, no, because no, because esque would, would imply that it's Tom Clancy-like. This is, it cannot get any more Tom Clancy than. Clancy-er. It's like fanciest. It gets no fancier than. Yeah, it, but you can't get no more Tom Clancy then. It is you Tom can't Clancy-ist. get any more Tom any more Tom Clancy than Tom Clancy. You can't equal the man who is him. Yeah, it is Tom Clancyist. I, I I will not. We just voted. You're take wrong. my statement back. I don't you care. You have been voted off the island. I'll vote you off. <gasps> what? Something I don't know. But anyway, Kevin, you want to talk about some headphones? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, once again, this is the so this is another reason why having a good pair of headphones or earbuds would be really handy because you don't want people to listen to this shit. So go over to studio.com. You do want people to listen to this shit. We want more people to listen to this well, shit. Well, you don't want people listening to this shit while you're listening to it because they're going to think you're fucking really weird or, you know, be like, what the hell are you listening to? Because, you know. This is kind of one of those uh, touchy subjects. <laughs> it's very touchy subject. You know? But like I said, go over to studio.com and check out what they have. They have great hair- headphones and earbuds. Uh, you'll definitely find what you want. So once you find those earbuds or headphones that you want, or if you find both kinds that you want, put them in your basket, go to checkout, and put in the promo code of DarkWindows15 to get 15% off. Because we love you. They yes. love you. And, you know, we like to just you know, give back a little bit. And speaking of giving back. Giving Seth. back rubs. Seth, give me <laughs> back rubs. You can actually use a hobby holder to rub your back. Really? Yes. Because you know why? It's got a nice little ergonomic grip. You add that right to your hobby holder. And for your bigger-handed people, small-handed, whatever, it doesn't matter. You could use that and get right to those hard-to-reach spots on your back. Ooh. Once you're done with that... Then you attach your miniature right onto that bad boy, and then you can start painting all over again. And then when you're like, oh, God, I got another itch, take that little sucker off because we use a bottle cap system, and you go right back to scratch your back. But if, they, if you don't want that and you want something else, like I said, there's a variety of fun tools and hobby-related products at GameEnvy.net. And you pick what you like, put in the check account. Check out account. Check account. Click. Click that motherfucker. Anyway, you put all that fun stuff in your checkout a cart, and you put in the promo code BROADSTONE, and you'll save yourself 10% off the entire order. So, with all that being said, if you're like, you know what, I need some fun stuff, I need... Uh, where do I go? Don't go to Amazon. Don't go to any of these other sites. You need to go to Dicehead.com. Dicehead.com is your one-stop shop for all your fun geekery needs. You can find board games, you can find card games, you can find miniature war gaming you can find dice bags you can find miniature carrying bags you can find whatever you need there because they are one stop shop of awesomeness then what you do is you put all that fun stuff in there and you pick out some other cool stuff 
And there you go. You got everything you could ever want. The one stop. If you want to get rid of some old miniatures that you're sick of, you're not painting them, you're not going to do anything with them, you're just collecting dust, and you know your significant other is getting mad at you, or you're getting mad at yourself because you bought this shit and you're not doing anything with it. Go down to the page and just click the miniature trade-in program. That sweet program gives you the ability to offload all those miniatures that you don't want, whether they've been painted, unpainted, on the sprue, off the sprue, does not matter. You take pictures of it, send it to those lovely people. Once they look at it, they'll get you back to a couple business days, and you'll have the best price possible. You can put that fun stuff towards mm, other good stuff, because I think that's a pretty badass store credit. You could take the extra money and donate it to this German police force to teach them how to handle a situation nope, like this. Nope, you will not do that. <laughs> you could actually put it towards our Patreon, because we have a Patreon. Yes, we do. Yeah. Go to patreon.com forward slash Windows. We've got all kinds of crazy cool shit over there. Go check it out. Yeah, the the one he Seth just mentioned, our liver eating Johnson tier at twenty bucks is going to be the best bang for your buck. You're getting shout out on the show. Boom. A sticker. Boom. A bonus episode once a month. What? You can suggest an episode topic that we Hell will cover. Yeah. Matter of fact, we get a suggestion for one. We'll back burner whatever the fuck we're already working on. Put yours there. And you're going to get a motherfucking t-shirt with our sweet new design on it. All made in-house. All made in-house. Stickers and shirts yes. are made in-house. Well, not the physical shirt, but the, you know. Yeah, they're, they're screen printed It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's the cool design that our buddy Michael Falk made for us in our Hell art contest. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. You guys should totally try it. You can also, you know, it, if you, you get bored, you can go over to ageofradio.org forward slash dark windows you can find every episode we've uploaded there you can go down to the bottom of the page or you can go over to the bazaar and you can check out all of the network sponsors and the show sponsors which include stuff like the ad you heard earlier for the great courses plus on it um barnes and noble microsoft, microsoft all kinds of cool shit you get, you get percentages off yeah or whatever. and if, if you're still over on age of radio not necessarily looking at our show or going to the bazaar. You can check out all the other shows. You got great shows. You got awesome true crime shows from Color Me Dead and True Crime Trucker. You've got uh, Diamonds and Roses, Kevin's brother's Ben's show. They're a, um, not a true crime. They're a baseball. No, he did. He, yeah, baseball. We need to come together. We need to do a fucking true crime baseball right, episode. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Pete Rose, bitch. Um, <laughs> you've got... Uh, Home Video Hustle, which is a fucking great show, too. There's all kinds of awesome shit on there. If you're looking for a podcast, we got something for you. And if you have, if you forget where you actually have to go to look all this stuff up yeah. or, you know, what promo codes, anything like that, you can check us out. Uh, we're on Facebook at Dark Windows. Uh, we're on there. You can check us out. We're the only ones. Yep. Uh, Dark Windows Podcast. And you'll find Kevin H. We Kevin Hire. And you can also find Kevin C. Kevin, Kevin Carlton. Carlton. Be, we'll be on there. We'll, I'm memeing everybody and all that good stuff or gifing everybody. All that, what the know. fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I like to find, like, you know, interesting deep articles to post for our, our wonderful listeners and followers. Yeah, Kevin just posts, like, fucking like gifts of somebody. bears and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a sexual disease. I want to meme you and gif you. you can also gif you a meme <laughs> You can also check what us out. What the fuck does that mean? You can also check us out on twitter at dark windows pod which we're starting to use more i learned the fuck is a twitter i learned twitter ah it's twitter you can also go over to instagram where the fuck is an instagram and uh i'm on instagram at k carlton 87 
I'm Seth, a- you're on Instagram, right? You're like a 13 year old girl on Instagram. I'm not 12. on it right now. Bullshit, you're not on I'm it on right Kickstarter. now. I'm on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, okay. He's anyway. like a 12 year old girl, okay? So, where can we find you on Instagram to see all those uh, sweet ass paintings? Broadstone underscore creations, where you can see me currently using my hobby holder yeah. in the colors that I chose. Yeah. And Kevin. You can find me on uh, Instagram and also at uh, Speedy802. Yep. And uh, rate, review us. Rate, review, subscribe. And you can uh, find us pretty much everywhere yeah. that you can download a podcast. I don't know if there's anywhere that you can't find us. Yeah. Boom. So before we get out of here, mm. like we said before, we're taking a break from Munich next week. For because a little bit of a special. It's Memorial Day. And if you week. guys have been listening to our show, you know how we like to do Memorial Day. So, Or any, kind of most any holidays, yeah. stuff like that. Maybe. So this Memorial Day, we mm-hmm. are going to, the Memorial Day week, I should say, I'm sorry. We are going to post up another in our series of Three Bad Dudes episodes. Uh-huh. Well, how about we just say badasses? Okay. We'll say badasses. Because it was three bad dudes before. Yep. So. I'm throwing a wrench into things. Oh. oh. Are we going to have our first badass on here? I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Because I found somebody that. Yeah. I I randomly was searching around. I was like, oh, this is what I'm going with. Nice. Nice. And I think we're covering from. And like usual, I got to pick somebody that's not a typical badass. Right. I, I know we're we're going a little modern with sets. I'm World War II, and I think Kevin's further back, right? Yeah. Somewhere in there. But if you, it's going to be fucking awesome. I am so excited to take a break from some, like, super serious shit to kind of be able to, t- to, be able to breathe and just kind of like, okay, we, yeah. we can have fun for <laughs> – we can have fun for an episode where it's not – of like an ultra serious topic like we've done for the last month or so where it's been after that kind of touchy you know, stuff after the next after the one after that after the last munich we'll probably you know go back to the regularly scheduled uh i'm gonna do some monsters man yeah fucking regularly monsters. Scheduled program of i'm ready uh, makes fun of some shit more yeah. than normal any frogs gonna give you a kiss or anything like that nah, i don't like french people that much man <laughs> anyway with that being said just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. I wanted to say something, but I'm not going to. Nah, let's leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm saving it for the monsters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Way more fun. All right, folks. We will talk at you next week. Love you. Kisses. Uh-huh. 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 Bye-bye. Mm, goodbye. Deuces.